bottom line up front, product-led growth is so much more than self-service and the ability to collect payment within the product. It's a complicated beast. You're likely going to have to educate your leadership on whether or not it fits for your product. And Tyler joins me today to help you figure that out. Hi there, Steve here with 15 Minute CMO, joined today by Tyler Shields. He's an investor, an advisor, a fractional executive, and an educator. And Tyler's expertise can be accessed in person through his newsletter, The Cyber Why, link in the description below, on his podcast, Enterprise Security Weekly, and right here for the next 15 minutes. Tyler, thanks for joining me. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, when we first met, uh, I believe it was a chance meeting at a hotel bar which is a story that could go a different direction. But this one happened to be uh, at a cybersecurity marketing convention. And we just so happened to have opinions on product-led growth. And so I'm curious to hear from you in your wealth of expertise and the, uh, the industries that you know best. You know, how, what is product-led growth? How would you describe product-led growth to a marketer? Yeah, it's a really difficult and interesting concept because I think product-led growth, as it um, became a dominant trend, I'll call it, mm. uh, as it became a dominant trend, it started started to morph into a number of different things, right? And I think it's a cross between product-led uh, leads, but also potentially true product-led growth, meaning that the product itself drives additional revenue, drives additional sign-up, drives additional um, engagement, right, to to grow revenue within the product itself without having to go through marketing, without having to go through sales, without having a massive expense on customer acquisition costs and things like that. The product is able to drive its own growth. And um, that definition has been morphed uh, as the trend has become a hot thing that everybody wanted PLG. I feel like that definition has morphed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um I've heard it described as essentially the self-service funnel of your uh, got to be a self it's got to be a software really um that's where the uh, self-service funnel lives but to your point there I think some of its dominance has been around this hope that it will replace the sales led uh but you mentioned sales led leads in there so maybe you you def you maybe we agree that that's a different thing yeah, it is a different thing. So, you know, when you have pure product-led growth in the traditional sense, the product takes care of itself. Hmm. It's self-service. You can kind of come in, click on something, add a, add something to your cart, extend your capabilities, even buy the capabilities from scratch. That's pure product-led growth. Hmm. I think a majority of companies want that, but there's so many requirements to actually fit that model. Hmm. Like you, if you have any kind of friction in your onboarding, people will come in and leave before they buy. If you have uh, any any length of time to value, meaning it takes a user a, a certain amount of time to get to value of the product, they will come in and leave. And these are net negatives to your business because they'll churn and never come back, or they'll churn and take significant time to come back. So you have to be careful when you're rolling out PLG. It's not just a, hey, the product now accepts credit cards. We can be PLG. Well, no, it has to fit your market. It has to fit your buying persona. It has to have zero time to value. It has to have zero onboarding friction. Like All of these requirements uh, need to be in place for a true PLG approach to be functional. And I think it became such a hot topic that everybody said, hey, we have to have it. 
And in reality, the bulk of companies are not well positioned in the market, in the buyer space, or in the product space to really fit a PL, true PLG model. And what I've found helps them is to start to think of PLG as PLL, product-led leads, meaning within the product, show new features, show areas they can expand into, give them the ability to click into it and say cross-sell or upsell themselves with the help of a, of a salesperson, or give them the ability to have some kind of small free trial at which you farm the activities they're doing in the product to then inform which ones are the hot leads to then have sales call and sell a product to, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's lots of different ways you can slice that that uh, that tomato, right? And and so don't just say you have to have self-sign-up. It's not really the truth. Pardon the interruption, dear listeners. I just want to call out a great resource for us marketers, b2breels.com. Head over to that website where you can learn about their easy creation process for these 30-second B2B explainer videos. You can see the sample videos while you're there. And of course, there is a risk-free trial for you to take advantage of. Yeah, I agree with you there. And two, two things on that. One would be um, numbers are published uh, on a pretty regular basis. I think it was OpenView has a really great report that comes out each year on this. And they highlight if you use a free trial, um, you can expect, say, of 40 people, 40 groups, no, individuals, 40 users that start the trial, one will self-convert, right? But seven total will become customers, which means six out of 39, right? 39 people are going to need a phone call. Six of them will close. But the product didn't do that, did they? A sales rep did. That, I think that that's a lead, as you'd mentioned it. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And my question for you, though, is you mentioned the word companies. Yeah. A lot of companies aren't well positioned for this, but there's a lot of different types of companies out there. For example, we met cybersecurity, right? This is a B2B tool. This is a persona that's a skeptical pragmatist, not likely in the room when a security vendor is chosen. So I could see there's difficult there. Mm -hmm. um, but the numbers do seem a bit uh, more optimistic for B2C companies. Sure. And maybe self-service, whatever you want to call it, is maybe PLG is just the attempt to bring B2C buying uh, strategy, B2B buying journeys, B2C buying journeys to the B2B world. Right. Yeah, it, it totally is. And I'll tell you right now, we met at the cybersecurity conference and we met and at, at a bar for the listeners. We met sitting at the bar and I, I think I turned to you and said, hey, I heard about your presentation you give. I don't like PLG. Like I, I came right out and said it. And the reality is I don't mind PLG. Like PLG is fine. But in cybersecurity, it's not the right market in general. And here, here's why. If we think of moving B to C into B to B structures like you talked about, that makes total sense. But what's the big difference between a typical B2C business and a typical B2B business? And it's the number of users or the number of active people you can touch in that space. So take a B2C uh, social media platform, whatever. Um, take a B2C, you're touching the universe of people. There's tons of people. So that 1 to 40 or even 1 to 100 or even 1 to 1,000 conversion is profitable. Now run that same playbook in a B2B world where you have significantly lower user counts. Let's say, let's, let's take developers as our user. Well, guess what? That's actually possible because there's a lot of developers. But if we now go into cybersecurity, which has about a 1 to 100 or a 1 to 1,000 ratio to developers, 
the universe isn't big enough. There's just not enough users. A typical company doesn't have 10,000 security people. They have 10,000 devs and 10 security people. And so mm -hmm. the PLG motion to security and cybersecurity people is nearly impossible. Yeah. Uh, and it's absolutely a, a bottom-up adoption strategy, right? You're, you're, you're setting a price point. You're setting a trial to the practitioner level as opposed to a CISO. Um, or a, a strategist within a company, and um, there's a challenge there. Uh, it's it's difficult to just install a new product on your company's infrastructure, right? Yeah, that's the friction. That's one. Of, yeah, one of many, right? Yeah. And to your uh, to your point, there's just not enough of them. And even if you could talk to each of them, it still has its. Uh, there's a there's a population challenge there. Yeah, um, and when you, so when but, you start to think about the population challenge. And then you start to think about, okay, to do PLG, you want to have massive population, low price point, land expand business model. Bring people in, have them spend X dollars a month per person, expand them up to X times 10, right? And have it self-service grow over time. That doesn't work in cybersecurity either because you, if you try to come in and bring those people in, there's not enough of an audience count to have low deal sizes and high, high enough volume of low deal sizes to warrant a cybersecurity sized business. So most cybersecurity companies come in at the higher price point, and now they're trying to jam a PLG structure on say a 50K deal line. Just doesn't work. They just mismatch. Mm -hmm. is, is there anyone or industry or company or persona, take it any way you want, where mm -hmm. PLG does work? Like where it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. I think the key thing is is the massive number of them. That's the, really the thing you got to look at. So there's a, a company in the cybersecurity space called SNYK or Sneak. I forget how you pronounce it. S-N-Y-K.io. Everybody uses them as the exemplar PLG in cybersecurity because they are a cybersecurity company that did really well with PLG. But what they did was their PLG motion was to target developers, not security people, because of the number of developers and then use those developers as a wedge into the business to then sell larger deals to security people. Mm. Product-led leads, not true product-led growth. Uh -huh. if, if it works, it works. And I think for mm -hmm. the audience and marketers and leaders who are listening, um, when growth is is the goal, um, certainly for smaller and early stage companies, like anything to help that funnel, right? PLG yeah. rarely supplants the entire go-to-market motion. Uh, and it certainly won't in a lot of B2B space for all the reasons you just mm -hmm. highlighted there. Um, and it doesn't work, as you mentioned, when the decision or the target has a, a small population. Um, it's interesting because one of the earlier episodes of the show uh, met with a, young, uh, a man named Mudit. Mudit was part of what he called the developer growth strategy for his company, Lambda Test. And he mentioned in there that developers particularly are, as he put it, allergic to ads. Now, I've described cybersecurity professionals as skeptical pragmatists. Um, this is a group of individuals who are very good and are active in their desire to avoid marketing. They don't want to put in a phone number to get a call. They don't want to schedule a demo unless they're already pretty sure they're going to get something out of it. To that end, do you see any elements of a PLG motion that can help really ramp up those leads or should it really just still be business as usual uh, for the marketers involved at cybersecurity? Or yeah, it's a great question. I think we start to blend when we, when we take that approach that you're describing, we start to blend community-driven marketing, value-driven marketing, and 
PLG-driven marketing kind of into a single unit. So what I mean by that is um, marketing to cybersecurity people, if you just say, hey, buy my stuff, right, and you use traditional just ad-based marketing, it just doesn't resonate, doesn't respond exactly like you said. But if you provide value in everything you do and do value-based marketing, I am here to educate, help you learn, help train you, help introduce you to others in your network, whatever that value is, your brand remains in front of them, right? And so that works really well. Brand uh, value-driven marketing connected with, okay, well, let's build a community that, again, provides value to that end end buyer, right? So you kind of have that community-driven marketing component to it, too. And then if you couple in, oh, and you can have free tiers of our product, right? We'll let you in there, try it, use it, no time trial. You can get in there and use it all you want. And what you do is you monitor who from that community and who from that value-driven marketing approach gets into the product. You've got a product-led lead-based model that you can execute on. And so that's how you market to cyber people. You don't try to sell them anything. You provide them as much value as you can. Mm. Um, anyone listening can take all of that, I would say, next time their boss or whoever comes to them and says, we're doing product-led growth, marketing, go figure it out. Um, <laughs> so be skeptical, right? It's probably not the next best step. for. It's certainly not the next best step for every company. It might not be the next best for yours either. Yeah. Um, to that, uh, shifting the conversation slightly uh, on a bit of a tangent to sort of that individual who's in an organization right now and whether it's their investors or their senior leadership. So you're a VP or a director at a, at a marketing level or position at your company. And they come to you, your leadership comes to you and says, well, you know, PLG is what everyone's doing. If we don't figure it out, we're in trouble. Um, you know, how would you advise that, uh, that VP, that director to take the next steps in that conversation? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the relationship between you and, say, the founder or CEO, of course, right? You have to be able to help educate them on what PLG really is and how it will or won't work given your business model, given your product model, given your buyer, given your ICP, all of those things. And so um, it's mostly an educational discussion to help them understand what PLG really could be for you, right? And maybe use the model that I just described of uh, value-driven, um, uh, community-driven and lead-driven kind of approach to product-led leads. And you might find that they're like, oh, yeah, that's what we want, right? Because we don't want to retool our entire product. We don't necessarily want to, you know, our, our, um, our go-to-market model from a price point and volume, transaction volume uh, numbers don't make sense, right? But you have to educate them on that. You have to help them understand what product-led growth and product-led leads could mean to your business and how you could or will not be able to execute it given your your components around it. So I think it's a conversation that you have to have to help them learn what that is. And that's not easy at all. Uh, you can always go to an outsourced third party, a, a pro in the field, um, mm -hmm. to help them understand that as well. Cool. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you to shine the crystal ball for a moment here. We've talked about how PLG has become very popular yeah. in the B2B space. It's really already there in the B2C side of things. But from a B2B perspective, uh, forward one, three, five years, have we have we reached sort of population density or is this still going to be here? Where do you see this? Where do you see PLG's future? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I actually um, wrote an article in the CyberY about PLG that I think others, uh, it's its in the comments below, I believe. Uh, take a look at that. That does talk a little bit about what it takes uh, to be successful in PLG. And it could be a fad or a trend, right, from the B2B side. 
But here's the thing. I, just, I think it remains alive because the concepts are great. They are really, really good concepts on how to grow a business and how to hack the, the J curve and, and kind of shift it up faster, right? The growth curve. Um, so I think conceptually it's brilliant. The application of it is what you have to figure out. So I don't think it ever goes away. I think what we end up doing is internalizing the learnings of what was effective and what, what isn't effective given certain business models and then saying, hey, this is the business model we have. Here's the version of PLG that we have. And in the next three to five years, that level of education and understanding of PLG should emerge in the B2B space. Got it. Well, uh, you heard it here, and you can go read it there in the cyber. Why? Tyler, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Steve.